morning, everyone. I invite you to open your Bibles to the book of 1 Peter. We're continuing our study of 1 Peter. We are in chapter 4 of this letter. Last week we looked at chapter 4, verse 1, and this week we will continue in verse 1 going on through verse 6 of chapter 4. Now, in these six verses, Peter is laying out a distinction between two ways of life. Even as Pastor Mike uh, taught in the time for the young disciples, there's two paths that we can follow. There are two ways of life, and Peter lays them out, referring to them as the flesh and the spirit. Throughout the New Testament, we see this distinction laid out for us and that those who are in Christ are to no longer follow the passions of the flesh or live out of the flesh, but we are to live by the power of the Spirit or live to the Spirit. You see, those who have been born again, those who have been born of the will of God are those who have been born of the Spirit. And therefore, since... We have been born of the Spirit. We are called in this passage to abandon the way of the flesh and to live by the power of the Spirit. So hear now God's holy word for His people. Since therefore Christ suffered in the flesh, arm yourselves with the same way of thinking. For whoever has suffered in the flesh has ceased from sin so as to live for the rest of the time in the flesh, no longer for human passions, but for the will of God. For the time that is past suffices for doing what the Gentiles want to do, living in sensuality, passions, drunkenness, orgies, drinking parties, and lawless idolatry. With respect to this, they are surprised when you do not join them in the same flood of debauchery, and they malign you. But they will give account to him who is ready to judge the living and the dead. For this is why the gospel was preached even to those who are dead. That though judged in the flesh the way people are, they might live in the spirit the way God does. This is God's holy word for us, his people. Let us go to him in prayer. Father God, we come to you now in this time, and even as we come to these words contrasting the way of the flesh and the way of the Spirit, we know that without the power of your Spirit, we cannot discern spiritual truth, that we cannot understand this word until you open up our eyes. So often we have given ourselves to the flesh. So often we have followed the passions of the flesh. We ask, Lord, that this morning, that as we come gathered together through the power of the Spirit, You would allow us to see, to understand, and to follow the way of the Spirit. We pray it in Christ's holy name. Amen. I hate the feeling that I am running out of time. Now I know that there are people who are fine with showing up A few minutes late. There are people who think that if an event starts at 2 o'clock, that it's fine to get there right at 2 o'clock. But I am not one of those people. I prefer to get there at least 15 minutes early. A few weeks ago, I had to catch a flight 
out to Denver from the D.C. area, and I thought that I had left with plenty of time to get there early, but then I hit the D.C. Beltway. I looked down at my GPS and I thought, oh my goodness, it's going to take an hour and a half to go 30 miles? This is no good. And I began praying, Lord, please move these cars out of the way. And I called up April. I said, April, you need to pray that God would move these cars out of the way. Rarely am I flustered by situations, but watching the minutes pass by, thinking about all that I had to do before I could get on the plane. I had to drop off my rental car. I had to catch the shuttle. I had to go through security. I would have to run to the gate. I just could not see how I was going to make my flight. I had that horrible feeling like time was running out and there was nothing I could do about it. Now, thankfully, the Lord wanted me to catch my flight because right as I was losing hope, I received a text message from the airline which said the flight was delayed by 30 minutes. Never had I been happier to have a delayed flight. And I needed every single one of those 30 minutes to run on to the plane. Now, in our passage for this morning, the Apostle Peter is trying to explain to the church that time is running short for the flesh. That they are under the clock. You see, in this text, Peter is describing, as I have said, two modes of life. Two sources by which we live. And the first source of life, the first mode of life is the flesh. And the second is the spirit. Now, to live in the Spirit simply means to exist in a physical way. The way that we came into existence is by the flesh. We are conceived and born in the flesh. We must nourish. We must care for the flesh. We must feed the flesh. We must rest the flesh. We must protect the flesh. Why? Because if the flesh dies, we die. It's our source of life. It's how we exist in this world. And as I explained last week, verse 1 of our text says that Christ came in the flesh. That is, He took on human flesh, He lived a physical life, He died a physical death. However, the Lord did not just create humanity in the flesh, but also in the Spirit. Genesis chapter 2 teaches us that the Lord formed man out of the dust of the ground. He is physical. But then He breathed into Him the breath of life and He became a living spiritual being. By creation order, man was both physical and spiritual. Both flesh and spirit. We were created to live in both realms of existence. Physical as creatures do and spiritual as God does. And when the Lord warned Adam if he disobeyed that he would die, he meant that he would die both physically and spiritually. That there would be two deaths. And this is the penalty that Adam has passed down to all of his children. For we are all born with spiritual death. All of us sinning. All of us rebelling against God. And we are all dying physically. Alive for a season, but soon perishing the way that all humanity does. 
In this way, the flesh is really the only source of life that we have. It is the only life raft to which natural man can cling. We are born spiritually dead, so we must cling to the flesh. The flesh must be nurtured and fed and protected and preserved at all costs. The flesh must be followed, for there is no other source of life. Yet the time of the flesh is running out. It's going away. It is quickly fading. But in this passage, we see that there is hope. For just as the time of the flesh is running out, the time of the Spirit has come. And all those who are born of the Spirit, all of those who are born again according to the will of God, will live even when this flesh dies. And so Peter is exhorting the church, stop living to the flesh, for the time of the flesh is coming to an end. The clock is running out. Rather, in Christ, live to the Spirit. Accounts of the sinking of the Titanic tell us that it took two hours and 40 minutes from the time that it hit the iceberg to the time that it was beneath the waters of the North Atlantic. But we know that as soon as it hit the iceberg, it was inevitable that it would end up sinking. We all know this. We can perceive the end from here. We've read the books. We saw the movie. We know what happens. But for many of the people on the Titanic, it seemed crazy to believe that this ship was sinking. Despite the signs, people were reluctant to leave the familiar comforts of a luxury ocean liner for the dark and cold of a lifeboat in the middle of the sea. And I imagine Peter like a deckhand trying to convince people that they need to abandon ship. He is saying, get on to the lifeboat. The time of the flesh is quickly coming to an end. Begin to live according to the Spirit. Look at verses 1 and 2 of our text. There we read, Since therefore Christ suffered in the flesh, arm yourselves with the same way of thinking. For whoever has suffered in the flesh has ceased from sin, so as to live for the rest of the time in the flesh, no longer for human passions, but for the will of God. Now, last week we saw in verse 1 that Peter is explaining that through our union with Christ in His death, we have now died to sin. His death becomes our death. His life becomes our life. Christ was united to us in the flesh. He obeyed in the flesh for us. He suffered in the flesh for us. He died in the flesh for us. And therefore, all who are united to Him through faith are accounted as righteous, are given new spiritual life, and are freed from the power of sin so as to live for God. Now, in verse 2, we see that Peter is taking this freedom from sin through Christ to point us to the path of life. Now that you have been born of the Spirit, now that you are united to Christ, how are you to live? For there is a period of time in which Christians continue to live physically following their new spiritual birth. This is what Peter calls in verse 2, you see there, the rest of the time in the flesh. 
That is, the time from when you are born again through the Spirit to the time that you die in the flesh. This period of time is called our exile. It is the time that we live as foreigners in a foreign land. We live amongst the Gentiles. Or as Peter says here, the time in the flesh. Peter is saying, if you've been born again, if you have been joined to Christ through faith in His life, death, and resurrection, then during the rest of the time in your earthly body, live for the Spirit. For the time of the flesh is coming to an end. The two modes of living are described here by their ultimate purpose. To live in the flesh means to live for human passions. To follow the brokenness of your own heart. To listen to what it is that your body is telling you to pursue. To eat, to drink, and to be merry. For tomorrow we die. But to live in the Spirit means to live for the will of God. To follow His Word. To remain faithful to Christ even if it means suffering in the flesh. To follow the will of God will lead to spiritual life. But those who follow human passions will only come to death. You see, all of the signs are pointing us to the reality that the time of the flesh is dying. We may want to ignore it, but it is all around us. We feel it in our own bodies, and yet we try to deny it. We try to ignore it. We try to push the snooze button on the alarm clock to make the warning sign go away. But they keep coming back. To live for human passions is to ignore that you are living a life that is running out of time. You are on a sinking ship, as it were. There is no hope for the broken flesh. But there is another path to follow. One that will not lead to death, but one that promises eternal life. To live for the will of God. For the power of the flesh is dying, but the power of the Spirit has come to bring everlasting life. You see, we must live to the Spirit because the power of the flesh is dying. The second thing that we see in our text is that we must live to the Spirit because the time of the flesh is past. That is, living to the flesh is the way of the past. The world and our flesh continue to try to make us believe that sin is the way of the future. That living for the will of God, is that's old-fashioned, that's passe. Christians need to get with the times. They need to abandon their out-of-date ethics and their old-fashioned faith. But when we come to the Word of God, we see that it is sin and rebellion that are going out of fashion. It is death that is going away. We see that the future... The future to which we are headed is not one of death, but it is one of life. It is one of love and peace and righteousness. The future is not hatred and death and sin. For the time of the flesh is past and the time of the Spirit has come. Look at verse 3. There Peter writes, For the time that is past suffices. It's enough for doing what the Gentiles want to do. Living in sensuality, passions, drunkenness, orgies, drinking parties, and lawless idolatry. You see, 
those who engage in such sinful behavior so often pride themselves on being cutting edge, on being progressive. We are moving towards the future, they think, by pursuing these types of sin. But they are just repeating what has happened in the past. They are the ones who are old-fashioned. For when we look to the future, we see that all sin and lawlessness comes to an end. Enough time has been given to that way of living. Enough of human history has been given over to sin and sensuality, to drunkenness and orgies and drinking parties and lawless idolatry. Enough time has been given to those things. The future of the human race and of life in particular is not sin, it is righteousness. During my time in seminary, My wife, April, taught science at a Christian high school. And as the students were presented with the gospel during the chapel services, often we would hear a response to obey the gospel with these words. I know that I should accept Christ. I know that I should live for God's will. But you know, I want some time to enjoy my life. I want to have some fun while I am still young. Then when I get old, then I'll accept Christ. Then I will follow God's will after I have lived a little bit. Right? I need a little sensuality, some drunkenness. I need some sexual exploit, some law-breaking to have truly lived this life well. That is the thinking. And once I get that out of the way, then I will do the old-fashioned boring thing and start going to church and start living right. And I call you, the youth of this church, those who are in college, those who are beginning their lives, don't believe this lie. The time that has passed is sufficient. There has been enough sin and unrighteousness. There's been enough living to the flesh. You do not need to go down that path. For the time is running out on the flesh. And there is no guarantee that those who harden themselves to the gospel and the call to live to righteousness now will ever have a chance to come to Christ again in the future. Seek the Lord while He may be found. If it is in your heart to pursue righteousness now, do not delay. For enough time has been given to the flesh. Begin to live to the Spirit. What excuse are you holding up to delay obedience? What do you believe is a good reason to remain in sin? The end is coming. The flesh is a sinking ship. Its time has passed. And righteousness has come. Now, the apostles faced a bit of a theological crisis in the first generation of Christians. You see, when the first Christians began to die, their deaths seemed to contradict the promise of eternal life that the gospel was making. Right? Was not the promise of the gospel that all who come to Christ will be freed from the guilt of sin and the curse of death? Why then are people still dying? Or even being killed for their faith? If they were just going to die, 
What was the purpose of preaching the Gospels to those who are now dead? It's to this question that Peter addresses the verses that follow. Verses 4 through 6. If you look down at your text, it says, With respect to this, they are surprised when you do not join them in the same flood of debauchery. And they malign you. But they will give account to Him who is ready to judge the living and the dead. For this is why the Gospel was preached even to those who are dead. That though judged in the flesh the way people are, they might live in the Spirit the way God does. Now, verse 4 explains that when you stop living to the flesh, people will be surprised. They'll even speak ill of you. Those who live in sin don't only want you to accept their sinful behavior, they want you to participate with them in their sin to validate it. But verse 5 explains That with the same mouths which they speak ill of you, they will have to give account for the way that they have lived. For the Lord is judge of all, those who are both currently alive and those who have died. And this future judgment of the living and the dead is the reason why the gospel had to be preached to those who are now dead. You see, all flesh will be judged. That means that all human beings, all who physically exist, will come to the point of death. Everybody dies. That is what he means in verse 6. He says, those judged in the flesh, the broken flesh with its desires and its passions will pass away. Even if you have been born again of the Spirit, the broken flesh must be judged and it must die. But those who are in Christ, though they have died in the flesh, they remain alive in the Spirit. That's why the Gospel had to be preached to them. Because even though they physically died, spiritually there is still life to be had. Is this not what Jesus meant when He said, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in Me, though he die, and would we add physically, yet shall he live. We may add spiritually. And everyone who lives and believes in Me shall never die. Do you believe this? You see, there is no greater witness to the coming judgment of the flesh than our physical death. Nevertheless, those who come to Christ in faith, though they die in the flesh, they continue to live in the Spirit. For in the Spirit you shall never die. The accounts of the sinking of the Titanic tell us that only 28 people were willing to get on the first lifeboat that left the Titanic the night that it sank. It could hold 65 people. It's estimated that almost twice as many people could have been saved if the passengers would have taken the warnings seriously and boarded the lifeboats to capacity. But it is hard to take such a warning seriously. You see, everyone said that the Titanic was unsinkable. Everyone assumed that another ship would come to save them or that they would have plenty of time to get out. 
It was a hard sell to say, get on this little boat and go out into the darkness of the freezing waters of the North Atlantic and leave behind the lit, warm, comfortable ship. Music was playing in the background. How could anything wrong happen to this ship? But once everyone realized how dire the situation was, it was too late. The time had run out. And the Word of God is calling to us this morning. Abandon ship. The flesh is dying. Its time has passed. Its judgment is coming. Abandon ship and cling to Christ Jesus. For He is the ark of salvation. He is the protection against the flood of judgment that is coming. He is the one who will bring you life even when you must die to the flesh. For He is the resurrection and the life. And though this broken flesh must die, all those who cling to Him will live eternally. And on the day of His return, we will be given a new resurrected body like His. One that is free of sin. One that is free of brokenness. One that is no longer under judgment. And we will again live both physically and spiritually as God created us to live. So give up the passions of the flesh, for they are passing away. And cling to Christ, for He is the only hope of life that we have. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Let us go to the Lord now in prayer. Father God, we come to You now having heard Your Word and heard the warning of this text. And yet many of us, in so many ways, cling to the flesh. We look to the flesh for comfort. We look to the flesh for guidance. We follow its passions. We follow its desires. We ask, O God, that this warning signal would be heard. We pray, O God, that You would loosen our grip on the things of this world, that we would see ourselves as exiles, that we would see ourselves as foreigners, that we would see that the flesh is passing away. And we pray, O God, that we would abandon human passion for the will of God. We ask, O Lord, that we would go forth in the power of Your Spirit. We pray this through Christ's holy name. Amen.